All right, everyone, and welcome to episode number 16 of The Loser Hour. And uh, no feature artist this week, but I have a good episode planned. I'm going to get into some of the stuff going on in the baseball world and the stretch run, and we're about four days away from the trade deadline. So go over a little bit of that, and then I'm going to talk about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the new Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm going to give my thoughts on that and then just kind of preview some upcoming movies throughout the next few months leading up into pretty much all the way through November. So I'm going to start with some baseball stuff. Um, We're in the stretch run, as us baseball fans call it. Um, It's... uh, July 27th as I'm recording this so we're about to go into August and the trade deadline is July 31st this year's a little different where they um there used to be like the whole waiver thing where you could let guys slide through waivers and pick them up how the Justin Verlander trade went down a few years ago with um Houston so they are no longer allowing that type of business to go on so I can understand that, but at the same time, you know, it makes a little uh, everything a little bit more difficult for the other teams, so they're going to have to kind of pick up the pace if they want to pick somebody up. So right now, what we're looking at for the standings-wise, I'm just going to – I'm not going to go over, like, in the beginning of the year season um, how I was going through pretty much the list of who's in last and stuff like that. I'm just going to go division leaders and then what we're, we're at with a wild card and who's who's in it and who's out. Um, so our, our AL division leaders at the moment for the West is the Houston Astros. They're um, 67 and 39, 8 and 2 of their last 10. Uh, the East is the New York Yankees, 66 and 38, 5 and 5 out of their last 10. And the Central is Minnesota at 63-41, and 41, five and 5-5 five out of their last 10. So right now the top two wildcard teams are the Cleveland Indians at 62-42, and 42, 8 and 2 out of their last 10, pushing hard for that division right now, um, testing Minnesota. Minnesota's probably going to be buyers at the deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, people are saying Cleveland's going to be sellers, but I highly doubt that, you know. Um, What's uh, Trevor Bauer is rumored to to be one of the top pitchers on the market, and I highly doubt Cleveland would trade him. Like they're they're still a semi decent team. They have some young players, and and they can make it happen. So, and that division's weak. So their only competition is Minnesota, and Minnesota's young, and they may fall apart. You know, they're unproven. So Cleveland could do this. And then the second wild card spot is the surging Boston Red Sox, uh, fifty nine and forty seven. Seven and three out of their last ten, they are one of the hotter teams in baseball right now. They're they're playing really well. They're beating up on the Yankees right now. They're making a push to take that division. So that's going to be interesting down the stretch. Um, so two teams are a half game out. We have uh, the Oakland A's fifty eight and forty seven, and then we have the uh, Tampa Bay Rays at fifty nine and forty eight, and then the L A Angels are four and a half games behind the Rays and the A's 
and then the Rangers are five games out. So the AL wild card is, you know, a little less bunched up as the National League wild card, which um, we'll get to right now. The division leaders in the National League right now surging in the central, the St. Louis Cardinals with the hot, hot as can be, Paul Goldschmidt. As I'm recording this, he hit his sixth straight home run. They are not winning tonight, but he hit his sixth straight. They had the he hit his fifth straight, and they had won all five games. And so this will be six straight, but and they'll be five and one in those games. But that's pretty freaking impressive. Dude's on a tear for them. St. Louis is always a threat, and look at them. They're taking over the Cubs and the Brewers' spot. So that makes just things a little bit more difficult for um, my Giants, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Um, the West leaders, the the rival hated Dodgers, sixty nine and thirty seven. Um, they are six and four of their last ten, and I uh, forgot to mention uh, the Cardinals are eight and two of their last ten. So that shows how hot they are at the moment. Um, the Atlanta Braves are sixty two and forty three. They're four and six of their last ten. They're kind of uh, struggling at the moment, but I have no doubt that they'll um, they'll take that division. Washington is is kind of making it tough, but and Philly will make it tough. But I I had to eat my words. Philly Philly started to suck it up. Atlanta looks like the team that'll take that division. Um, so the NL wild card right now is just it's just a freaking mess. Um, the we got a three way tie right now for the top wild card spots. Um, Chicago Cubs 55 and 49 and the Washington Nationals 55 and 49 um, both five and five out of their last 10. the Milwaukee Brewers are 56 and 50 they're seven and three of their last 10 so it's a three-way tie for those wild card spots those two spots. We have the Philadelphia Phillies a game behind at 54 and 50 and then we have the Giants two games behind at 53 and 51 they are eight and two of their last 10 on fire um 53 and 52 for arizona they're two and a half behind and then the mets are you know they're six out the rockies are six and a half you know those kind of those teams are kind of out because of all the teams they would have to leapfrog but yeah arizona san francisco philly milwaukee washington and chicago like that that's all the teams and they're all within a couple games of each other so it's going to be interesting for the National League down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, um, let's see. The Right now, the market has been rather interesting. The, the, the trades have been very slow. Um, I saw that Sergio Romo was uh, traded to from the Marlins to the Twins. And then um, I saw that the A's received a... Uh, a relief pitcher uh, Jake Diekman but there really hasn't been much other than the Andrew Kashner and um, Homer Bailey trades but it looks like the the Diamondbacks are opening to um, opening up to moving some veterans like uh, Robbie Ray and Zach Granke uh, Granke will be tough because of that contract that he has it'll be for sure a difficult thing to you know, get rid of him. Um, Marcus Stroman from the Jays is rumored to go. Uh, Daniel Hudson, uh, Ken Giles, they're both bullpen pieces. They're both rumored to be trade assets at the deadline. Um, I'm sure that, like, 
the next few days with like within two days of the deadline, it's going to be really crazy. Um, so yeah, it hasn't been like, I expected there to be more, you know, but, um, yeah, there's a few guys that, uh, Everybody really, like, you know, plans changed for the Giants. Bumgarner and, and Will Smith, I don't think really, if anything, Will Smith might be traded, but I, I doubt it. If anything, it would be a, an, another reliever that they can offload and get somebody back win-win for types of teams, like maybe trade with a contender. But I'm not 100% sure, really, and I, I, I really wouldn't, wouldn't um, be surprised. So... I mean, what can I say about the Giants over the last couple of weeks? Um, I've, I've been a fan since I was, like, eight years old. And, you know, it, it, the last couple of years have been rough, and it reminds me of what it was like watching the Giants growing up. It was always just rough. But we had that one thing to look forward to when we went to the ballpark, and it was watching Barry Bonds. And I would always go to the ballpark with my dad and, and – we would just we would, we would watch Barry and you know they would one year we went they lost every single game we went to we went to like eight games and they lost every single one but Barry always did something exciting so there was always that to look forward to with these teams it's kind of like you know you got a bum garner start that's always you know for a Giants fan it's must see and then it's just kind of there's nothing just what what you know these games these games are tough and um the Giants, they, you know, they 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 got a um, new general manager this year, Farhan Zaidi, and he was the general manager and uh, baseball ops guy for the Dodgers, and then he was also a uh, scout or something with the A's. He was with the A's for a while before that. He might have been a GM there after Billy Bean moved up, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But he's he's a one of the analytics kind of guys, and he's retooled the team as best as he could with what they had. And he brought in guys like Yaskremski, who I've talked about, who, you know, he looks great, and he, he's been really good. And, you know, the numbers don't really show it, but he's a rookie who hasn't hasn't really got a shot, and he's he's making important plays. And he's, he's scoring at times that matter and stuff like that, and that's what you need to do. Um, the trade for Kevin Pillar. You know that's that that was a great trade. They traded, um, what was that? Derek Law and Alan Hansen for Kevin Pillar, who Kevin Pillar is. You know he's a streaky type of hitter, but he he's a solid hitter. He's a Gold Glove defensive guy, and that's what what you know you want to do. You pitching and defense type of deal, and he can he can hit the back end of the lineup, and he's good. He can hit some power, and he's one of those types of guys that's also been. You know, he's been a punch for the Giants. He's the RBI leader for the team, you know. So there's that. Um, there's been a bunch of different pitching moves. You know, there's been moving guys up and down. There's been putting guys, you know, the year started with Pomeranz and Holland in the rotation. Pomeranz and Holland. Holland with the Chicago Cubs now was designated for assignment for Connor Menez, who was then sent down for... You know, they, they for relief pitchers, so they do this all different types of stuff. Tyler Beatty has been up and down. Tyler Beatty is here to stay. Uh, Sean Anderson has been called up. Derek Rodriguez has been demoted and then called up to be a relief pitcher. And so there's a revolving door of pitching to keep guys, you know, going because they have a strong bullpen. And building 
depth of young guys that they can bring up, and then there's a way of keeping that bullpen fresh. And then, you know, utilizing the extra day off or we don't need a fifth starter here so we can send the young guy down and bring a bullpen guy up. And we can put Pomeranz in the bullpen as a long reliever. And, you know, now they have – Samarja's been, you know, bounce back season. And they they made the waiver move for Alex Dickerson, who's been just the, the shot in the arm that got this team lit in the ass and got him going. And there was an – Injury to Evan Longoria, and then, you know, Pablo Sandoval has been plugged in, and he's been crucial. They called up a rookie who, you know, he was nobody in the system. He's he's ranked probably 15th or, or maybe higher in their top 25 third baseman. He's just been crushing the ball in Sacramento this year, and they call him up, and in his first game he has t- two doubles, RBI. He's, you know, a guy that can come in and play third while Longoria is injured more depth so this is all just it's a good thing and now that everything's changed and they're a couple games out I expect you know there I the rumors they're talking extension with Bumgarner and you know I'm cool with that as Bumgarner's a guy that that you know I didn't want to see him go but I was okay to the idea of let's let's trade him get something you know I'm I'm that kind of person when it comes to baseball if we can get something out of him he can come back next year but if we're going to push for the playoffs, why not? You know, let's, there's other pieces that maybe, you know, they can, they can offload and get somebody for. So I believe that they may add a starting pitcher. If not, they do have um, their ace in the hole, Johnny Cueto, who uh, will be facing live batters, I believe, here soon coming up um, in Arizona. He's, his rehab is, is along really nicely. He's coming back for, for – he may be back mid-August, but the plan is still for September. So, yeah, that's that'll be perfect. You know, if they're still in it and they get Cueto back and they've added another decent starter, a decent bullpen guy or something like that, add a second baseman, you know, something along the lines of that would be really, really good. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, you know. So – Right now, the Brewers, I, I would say the Brewers need starting pitching. They uh, they just lost Woodruff and Chashin to injuries. Um, so guys that are, you know, on the block, Stroman, Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, Mike Miner, um, Matt Boyd, potentially, Robbie Ray, Tanner Roark, Granke. Um, the Nationals, they, they need bullpen help seriously need bullpen help um Kirby Yates from the the Padres could be a fit Edwin Diaz uh Felipe Vasquez from the Pirates Ken Giles Shane Green Ian Kennedy Sean Kelly Chris Martin Alex Colomb even you know maybe Sam Dyson or Tony Watson from the Giants you know uh, Michael Givens could be somebody Nick Anderson Austin Bryce these are all guys that are just on the block that names I've been hearing and just stuff like that. Uh, the Phillies, they need starting pitching. So, you know, the same types of guys. I, I Maybe I, I, Zach Wheeler would be a good fit with them. Robbie Ray would be a good fit with them. Uh, the Yankees also need starting pitching. Uh, the Rays need pitching both sides. Um, the Twins, they need bullpen help seriously. The Dodgers need bullpen help seriously. The Red Sox need bullpen help, seriously. Um, the Indians need a right-handed bat, 
they need somebody in the lineup that can push them through. I think that's what thing that they've been hurting all year is a big, strong right-handed bat. So these are just things that come to mind. Uh, the Cubs, more depth. You know, they've had guys that just haven't been performing and people that have been off and away, like uh, Zobrist is out for a while. Braves need pitching. Astros need pitching. A's need pitching. So, you know, it's 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 all over the place right now. So I really, I, I don't, I, th- I think going into it, I down the stretch, everything kind of looks pretty much how I think it's going to play out towards the end. But I think, you know, the Dodgers obviously have that division locked up. I think the Red Sox are going to make a strong push. Um, Gary Sanchez was injured for the Yankees. He's been a very important part of their team. They don't have Giancarlo. They're just, you know, they're slowing down a little bit. They need help. So... I could see that being a problem and the Red Sox are surging. So yeah, I, I, that could be a possibility, but I do see the Yankees taking that division. I see Cleveland possibly edging out Minnesota. And then I see Houston taking that division as well. And then the wild card spots, I see the A's taking the home division spot in the wild card and then Minnesota taking that other spot. I don't see um, Boston making it in. I, I see them, the other teams edging them out. So I could be completely wrong, but I don't see them making it in. And then the National League, I, you know, like I said, the Dodgers, uh, Atlanta is definitely going to make it, take that division. And then the Central is just wide open. I honestly still, still think the Brewers are going to take it. They're going to get hot right towards the end, make some trades, and they're going to get it. Um, and then the wild card, yeah, I can't even predict it right now. I can't. I'm just gonna go. The, I'm gonna go. Uh, the Cubs, the Brewers take the division, and then the Cubs take the wild card spot. No, 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 no. The Nationals take the wild card spot, and then the Giants take the second one, and they win on the road, and they win the World Series because we can do it again. So. That one was for Nick there. Uh, I know he'll be listening, and he'll enjoy that one right there. So, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I went and saw it uh, Thursday night. I went and saw it straight after work. Went right in there in my work uniform. I just That's how much I've been wanting. You know, there's only a few directors working that I will do that for. Tarantino's one of them. I will go see anything he makes. Uh, Christopher Nolan, I will go see anything he makes. Martin Scorsese. Um, Dennis Villeneuve, I will go see anything he makes. So, yeah, there are some guys that I just, you know, I won't wait till the next day. I'll go the first fucking opportunity I can. And that was the first playing right after I got off of work, 4 o'clock. I went and saw it. And I enjoyed it. It's, um... It's right now. It's sitting at eighty-five um, percent with the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and I I feel like that's fair. Seventy-six uh, percent with the fans. There's um, two hundred and eighty-one reviews from the critics and over two thousand from the, the fans. Yeah, the, the people aren't really eating this one up, but I don't know. It's I I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Um, so it is. 
obviously everybody knows it is starring Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. So Leonardo DiCaprio plays um, an actor and Brad Pitt is his stuntman. And Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate. And so let's see. Let's get in. I need the full cast out because the full cast is just crazy. Um, so Timothy Oliphant, Dakota Fanning, Al Pacino, Kurt Russell, Luke Perry, Neil Hirsch, Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern, Clifton Collins Jr., Zoe Bell. Just a bunch of Tarantino regulars and then a whole bunch of other people that you've never seen before in a Tarantino universe. But, yeah, Austin Butler is uh, Tex Watson. He's great in it. So Brad Pitt is Frank or is, uh, Cliff Booth. Leo DiCaprio is Rick Dalton. And then uh, so Rick Dalton is an actor, like I said, and um, his stuntman is Cliff Booth and you know, the movie opens on, like, the set of his his TV show that he was famous on. Uh, and he was, you know, it was like a Western called Bounty Law or something like that. And then it cuts away, and he's doing an interview, you know, and then it cuts away, and then they're like, well, all right, cool. And then they, they get in a car, and they, they go, and, you know, Brad's driving him, and smoking cigarettes the whole time you know this is a tarantino movie right off the bat and he gets and he's getting right he, he's going to a meeting they're drinking at a bar and al pacino comes in and he's this manager type and he's talking to him about all these westerns he's a western movie star and does western tv shows and stuff like that and he's been over the last few years he was a big western star so in the last few years he's been showing up and just kind of being the heavy in tv shows letting the good guy, the new big up-and-coming actor, the good guy beat up on him a little bit, and then he's done. He gets paid, and he goes on to the next job. So Pacino tells him, you know, he loves his work and everything, but why is he doing all this TV shit? It's diminishing his value, so he should go to Italy and do the spaghetti westerns. And He's like, I don't want to go to Italy. You know, I, I still think I, I can do stuff here, whatever, you know. So he ends up, you know, doing... um what was that? He goes and works on this real life TV show, Lancer, and he's actually doing stuff for that. And you see why uh, you realize that that Cliff basically does everything for him. He's kind of like his servant. He drives him everywhere because he's had too many DUIs, and he takes care of him and all this kind of stuff. So it, it's because he doesn't really have a lot of work in the stunt business, and then you you learn why because everybody thinks that he killed his wife and then they go to like a cut scene where he's on a boat and his wife's bitching at him about the boat and he's standing there with like a spear gun and you can see him standing there and he's got this grin on his face and then you know so it's like insinuating that he killed his wife and and then they get into the whole reason why the stunt man like Kurt Russell he's the um he plays Randy and he's the like stunt coordinator like the head stunt guy he hires all the, the guys he's got a four-man crew he says and his wife doesn't like Cliff, and that's where the, he gives him one more chance, and, and Cliff gets into a argument with uh, the uh, guy they have to play, uh, Bruce Lee, is fucking awesome. And Mike, Mike Moe 
is his name. And that guy was fucking awesome. And he's just like Bruce Lee standing there explaining to shit about karate and all this. And, you know, then Cliff just calls him on his bullshit and they get into a fight. And, yeah, it's it's pretty great. So, you know, you get on to all this other stuff. You get this idea that, you know, he's a fading actor. And there's this movie's like... I don't know. If you're expecting a movie about the Manson family, this is not what you're going to get. And I, it was kind of marketed a little bit that way, and Manson has its elements. This movie is about 1969 and the 60s Hollywood and the golden age of Hollywood and two guys that are just their friendship. And I don't know. I, I That's why I, I liked it so much. It was just like those guys were so... It, their, their, their chemistry together was so awesome. They um, there's so many scenes where they're just like, what the fuck, man? Like the 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 way that they talk, they're they're there's a scene where they're watching their their own uh, TV show and they're just fucking narrating it and it's it's great. But there's um, there are problems. There's some weird editing stuff in this movie, but there's some great comedy. Like there's parts where. You know, Leo's talking to a little eight-year-old girl that's an actor, and she's all serious and all business and everything, and he's fucking breaking down, and he just <laughs> he's like, "I'm not relevant anymore." Like, and he just it's it he starts breaking down in front of the kid, and the kid's like, "Oh, it's okay," and she, she's like, "What's wrong?" And he's just like, "Fucking like I, he can't even fucking talk." It's like it's the best. He fucks up lines. He goes back into the fucking trailer, starts screaming at himself, yelling, fucking. That he's a guy, he's like, you practiced your lines all night, but you're such a goddamn alcoholic, seven whiskey sours, like, just fucking it, great shit. But the, the whole, the whole Manson thing, you know, comes, like, at a point when, you know, there's a point where, where Rick is doing his shooting, and Cliff is out with Rick's car, and he, um, picks up this hitchhiker, this, you know, you see throughout the movie these hippie girls on the side of the road, and, you know, and you hear them say, goddamn hippies, and fuck the hippies, and, you know, they don't really like the hippies. You know, you hear Leo say that. Brad's character kind of looks at the girls and kind of just smiles at them, and they're like, they smile back, and, you know, they ask for rides, and he ever, he never gives them a ride. Well, he sees this one girl over and over and over again, and it's... um. Uh, her name was Pussycat, and she, you know, she he ends up giving her a ride, and she's out at the Spawn Ranch, and that's when you get the whole Manson thing. And he's the only scene you get Manson in is the scene they show in the trailer with him waving at the ice cream truck, and he pulls the ice cream truck up to the old, to the house where where Sharon Tate lives during the day, and he walks up, and he's like, "Oh, so and so live here, the music producer that used to live there," and. Tell him, oh, no, he lives here now. And he's, oh, thank you very much. And then he leaves. That's the only scene you see Charlie in. So I thought that was pretty good. You know, it's like this isn't a movie about him. So, you know, he just pops up and it's a movie about the 1969. You know, he was a pivotal part of that. So they they just have him pop up. They don't even say his name. And so when they go to Spawn Ranch, that's when you get like, you know, you see all the Manson family people and you're like, ooh, weird. You see Tex Watson and they hear you, you all people are like, oh, Charlie's going to like you and all this kind of stuff. And he's been there before Cliff. He's worked there at Spawn Ranch. So he wants to talk to, to George Spawn. And this is where 
things get a little weird. Tension kind of rises up, but nothing really happens. He's just blind and old and played by Bruce Dern. Was uh, supposed to be played by Burt Reynolds, but Burt Reynolds passed away. So played by Bruce Dern. was good performance. And, yeah, he just, you know, tells him, like, do you let these people just live here? And they're like, he's just like, they love me. He doesn't understand what's going on because he's blind. He just doesn't understand that he's got a fucking cult leader living there and all these fucking people and hippies and shit. And so, yeah, the scene gets pretty great when um, the end of this scene, I should say, when when Brad tries to leave, he goes out in his car sitting there and he's got a knife in his tire and he's just like looks over and there's this fucking nasty looking hippie dude sitting there and he's laughing. He's like, you do that? And he just like spits at him. So he just tells him to fix it. He goes, you know, this is my boss's car. If my boss finds out something happened to his car, I get in trouble. So he pulls out the tools and the tire, spare tire, and he goes, fix it. And the guy just laughs at him. So fucking Brad Pitt just beats the shit out of him, tells him to fix it. And then, you know, the girls run off, and they're like, go get Tex. And by the time Tex gets there, he's driving off. So you get the whole Manson family thing right there. They move on to, you know, he goes to Italy, does some spaghetti westerns, and he comes back and boom now we're we're at the <coughs> the night of the whole Sharon Tate murder and the Manson family murders August 8th I believe or August 9th August 9th 1969 so and then it it has some narration of you know what Sharon and all the the people that were actually in the house Actually, all the people that were actually murdered. Um, um, what's his face? Uh, Emil Hirsch plays J.C. Bring, and the uh, Abigail Folger character was there, and so I was talking about how they all went out to eat dinner at this Mexican restaurant on you know this side of town, and then Rick and Cliff went and ate at a Mexican restaurant on this side of town, and then you know they both ended up back at the house around the same time, and then. That was around midnight type of deal. And throughout, uh, be, at a different, I'm trying to think, midway through the movie, Brad puts a cigarette in in um, the box at, at the house of uh, the Rick Dalton character. And he tells him, oh, I bought this acid lace cigarette. This was like after the Spawn Ranch part. And he tells him, oh, I bought this acid lace cigarette, and, you know, this is the only place I want to trip out at, so I'm going to put it in here, don't smoke it, you know. So then they go to the Italy and do all their the the movies over in Italy and do that kind of stuff. And it's been like a year, two years or something. So they come back and he they're shit faced drunk and he wants to fucking smoke his cigarette. And uh, Cliff's character has uh, a dog that you know you see in the movie and he's a pit bull and. He's got this attitude, and, you know, he, he takes the dog for a walk and smokes the cigarette. So then while he's out smoking the cigarette, the Manson family rolls up, Tex Watson, and you see um, the Dakota Fanning character, who's based on a real character, uh, Squeaky Frome, and then you see two other characters that um, I'm not sure which Manson family member they're supposed to be. I believe one of them, uh, I think they're just random characters, but I'm not entirely sure. So there's um, two other, you know, family members in the back. And, you know, they roll up and 
fucking Leo's character is just shit-faced drunk. He's making margaritas, and he hears this fucking obnoxious car. And he takes the margarita thing and fucking the blender, and he fucking walks outside, and it's just that he sees that it's a bunch of hippies in this fucking beat-up car, and he walks outside, and he starts screaming at him. He's like, you fucking goddamn hippies. Get the fuck out of my property. Like, all this shit. And he's all pissed off, and it's hilarious. He's just, he just walks up to their car, and you're like, oh, fuck. And it shows that he's got a gun. You're like, oh, shit, they're going to fucking kill him. And he walks up, and he's just like, get the fuck out of here, you dirty hippies. You fuck came up here to smoke weed, didn't you? You get the fuck out of here. We don't see your kind up here fucking my street and they're like oh, they're freaking out they're like oh sorry sir sorry sorry so they fucking they go down the street and they park down the block and they're like isn't that rick dalton like that fucking actor that's on fbi and all this shit and they start talking shit on him. they're like one of the girls in the back goes actors are like the fakest people ever and all says all this shit it's like we should kill them so then okay now this is where we're going we're not gonna you know and i knew that he was gonna recreate history in some way so this is what we're gonna get he's not not gonna go there with the fucking sharon tate shit which he shouldn't and he goes into okay we're gonna kill this guy so they fucking he's out in the backyard with headphones on in his pool and at this point cliff gets back from smoking his acid lace cigarette and he's feeding the dog and he's fucking he eats a little dog food he's like fucking he feeds the dog and boom they burst in and it's fucking two of them in the front door and one comes through the back and he's just standing there and he's tripping out and he's like, are you fuckers real? And the one guy's like, I'm real. I'm the devil. And fucking all this shit. Tex is like, I'm the devil himself. And he's like, no, I know you. You're that fucking guy from the ranch out there. Like and then he looks over at fucking redhead Dakota Fanning and goes, I know you too. You're that fucking redhead. Like, and then he fucking looks at the other girl like, oh, I know you, you too, that pale face girl. Like, and they're all fucking stand there with knives. He's got a gun pointed at him. He's just like fucking, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, he sicks the dog on him. The dog fucking just destroys these fucking people. It is the funniest shit. Like, it is, it is totally like Tarantino-esque. It's, it's the best thing you'll, like, he, at one point, he, you know, he sicks the dog on text. The dog just fucking destroys him, jumps on top of him, starts fucking just destroying him. And then he fucking beats the living hell out of this one girl, just smashing her face into every object around, just in t- total fucking ridiculous fashion. One girl h- has been destroyed by the dog. And, like, he, he ends up sicking the dog on one of the other girls. The, do- the girl has just been destroyed by the dog. She runs outside, and she jumps in the pool... Because she's just fucking, she's like, her face is all ripped apart. She's running, jumps in the pool, and Leo is completely oblivious to this. He's had his headphones on the whole time. This girl runs out the fucking back door, jumps in the pool. He's like, what the fuck is going on? She's got a knife, and she's fucking just, she's going crazy. He jumps out, grabs a fucking flamethrower, and just lights her on fire in the pool. It is the fucking funniest thing it is just, it is complete Tarantino. Hilarious. Loved this fucking movie. It is one of the funnier movies he's ever made. I think it's just, it, just, it is the funniest movie he's ever made. Like, it's a straight comedy to me. It is so fucking funny, dude. I loved it. So, yeah, everybody needs to go see this shit. If you're a Tarantino fan, you should like it. It's not something that you should be like, oh, it's the best Tarantino movie ever, because it isn't. It's like, I would probably put this, this isn't even top five for me, but it was so fucking entertaining and so good. Like, it was just, it was good. It was the best movie I've seen so far this year, and it will, you know, it, it 
it was the most entertaining I've had in the theater. I, I sat next to these two older ladies and, um, every time I go see a Tarantino movie that I sit next to these older couples and the last couple of movies have been Westerns though. So it makes sense. But I sit next to these two older ladies and at the very, very end, the lady looks at me and goes, that was so dumb. <laughs> like, I mean, it must've been a big Pulp Fiction fan, I guess. I don't know, but I thought that was pretty entertaining, but okay. So some movies that are coming out that I flagged here that I thought were interesting. Um, I'm just going to kind of go through them quickly. Um, who's in them, you know, and who, who's directing and stuff like that. Uh, this one's not really a big movie, but fucking, I, I love Nick Cage and his ridiculous acting. And this movie, he's been on fire recently with ridiculous acting. Um, Mandy from last year is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, it was fucking artistically just like insane. Some of the stuff that was done in that movie. Um, he was fucking awesome. There's scenes where he just goes full fucking Nick Cage, which is fantastic. If you, haven't seen um, his video, like the Nick Cage mashup videos on YouTube. They're hilarious. Where it's just like ten minutes of him freaking out in movies. It's the best shit ever. So he's in a movie coming out um, August second called A Score to Settle. And uh, yeah, it's a little indie movie. He's been doing a bunch of indie movies, but this one looks awesome. It's uh, an ex enforcer for a local crime syndicate has vowed to enact retribution on the mob bosses after twenty two years of wrongful imprisonment. So. That's the plot of the movie. It, so, you know, you can only... And I, I watched the trailer earlier. It looks fucking crazy funny and awesome. So, yeah, look out for that one. Uh, so, all these movies are pretty much September through November. Um, some of them are just, like, the big releases and some stuff that I thought looked interesting. Um, most of them are just, like, the big releases that are coming out. Um, so, start at September 6th, uh, It Chapter 2. This one looks pretty good for a sequel. Um Directed by the guy who I believe did the last one. Um, this one's got a big old cast. It's got uh, it's got Jessica Chastain as the adult version of um, of Beverly. Uh, we have James McAvoy as the adult version of Bill. Bill Hader as the adult version of Richie. Um, then there's you know Bill Skarsgård back as Pennywise, and all the kids are back. So yeah, this is just a sequel to the first one. I really enjoyed the the first the remake of it. It was really good. This one looks really fucking scary, and I guess they did some stuff with blood, like the most blood ever used in a film. So uh, it was twenty seven. The plot twenty seven years after the first encounter with uh, the terrifying Pennywise, the loser club has grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. Uh, so loser club, loser hour. Hey, so yeah, this one should be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so. Moving on to September 20th. This one uh, is kind of an interesting one that looks pretty good. Uh, I saw one trailer. I don't want to see the next. Um, it's an adventure drama starring Brad Pitt called Ad Astra. And uh, it's directed by James Gray and also written by James Gray. Um, also starring uh, Liv Tyler, Donald Sutherland. Um, I believe Tommy Lee Jones is in this. So this one looks pretty good. It's a... Uh, an astronaut travels to outer, the outer edges of the solar system to find his father and unravel a mystery that threatens the survival of our planet. So it's a sci-fi movie. It's a action-adventure type of drama thing. You know, looks pretty interesting. That's September 20th. So I have uh, two for October 4th. We have um, the big one, The Joker. And that one is directed by Todd Phillips. Um I enjoy Todd Phillips movies. 
uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Robert De Niro's in there. This one looks pretty interesting. It looks a different take on Joker, and I like Joaquin Phoenix. And I, from the from the trailer I saw, I, I'm intrigued. I'll go see this one. And like I said, I enjoy Todd Phillips movies. So that's October fourth. Also October fourth. This movie's I've been waiting for for a couple of years. It's been pushed back, and it was a Weinstein movie, right? At the whole Weinstein thing, and then it got you know dumped, and nobody wanted to pick it up, and then so the current war. Uh, this is a dramatic story of the cutthroat race between electrici- electricity titans Thomas Edison and George Westenhouse to determine whose electrical systems would power the modern world. This is uh, starring Tom Holland, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, also, uh, Michael Shannon is in this one. It's directed by Alfonso Gomez Rayon, and I enjoy his movies as well. This one looks good. Um, I believe... See the the cast of this one, because it's um, it's about Edison and Westinghouse and all of that. It's uh, so Cumberbatch plays Edison, um, and then Michael Shannon is Westinghouse, and then Nicholas Halt is um, Nikolai Tesla, and he is um, known for he's in Mad Max. He's the kid in Mad Max. He's an X Men. He's in all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, he's Tesla. So that one should be good. Um, October 15th, we have uh, the Jane Silent Bob reboot, directed by Kevin Smith. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people in this one. You know, uh, you got uh, Chris Hemsworth is in it. Val Kilmer's in this one. You have, obviously, Kevin Smith. And you have um, Jason Mewes uh, reprising their roles. You have Ben Affleck showing up. You have Shannon Elizabeth coming back. You have um, Rosario Dawson, Jason Lee. There's a whole bunch of people. Jason Biggs is in this. There's just everybody shows. So this one should be really funny, really good, just stupid, stupid funny, but I'm looking forward to that one. Um, the Another comedy coming out October 18th, Zombieland Double Tap, um, directed by Ruben Fletcher. He's, I believe he directed the first one. Uh, Emma Stone. Abigail Breslin, Woody Harrelson, uh, what's his face, Jesse Eisenberg. (coughs) So, yeah, reprising their roles, Bill Murray. Coming back, Rosario Dawson's also in this, Dan Aykroyd, Luke Wilson. So, yeah, this one one should be fun. I saw the trailer for this as well. Then we have in uh, November 1st, this one I'm really looking forward to, Terminator Dark Fate. Directed by Jim Miller, uh, written by James Cameron, produced by James Cameron. So from interviews, they've said that this is taking place in the timeline directly after Terminator 2. All the other movies are just at, like they're another universe. They're not even taking them into account. So this one has Linda Hamilton coming back, Arnold Schwarzenegger back, Edward Furlong back. This one looks awesome. Mackenzie Davis is in this. Terminator Dark Fate looks really sick. Not going to lie. It's going to be fucking awesome. Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies ever. So, yeah, this is going to be pretty sick. Uh, Then we have November 8th, Doctor Sleep, directed by Mike Flanagan, uh, starring Ewan McGregor. This is the sequel to um, The The Shining, and The Shining is one of my favorites. This is like a grown-up Jack Torrance, or a grown-up Danny Torrance, and he's, you know based off the book so intrigued by that one 
another one on November 8th is um, Midway. Now, this one is um, surprising that it's coming out. It's not really getting much traction. It's uh, a Roland Emmerich film. Woody Harrelson's in it. Um, and it's about the Battle of Midway. So that one intrigues me. And then the two that um, I'm looking really looking forward to, this one I, I will go see right when it comes out, Ford vs. Ferrari, November 15th. Um, James Mangold directed. This one's Christian Bale, Matt Damon, John Bernthal. Um, Christian Bale plays uh, uh, Ken Burns, or Ken Miles. Uh, Matt Damon plays Carol Shelby. And um, Bernthal plays Lee Iacocca. And it's, uh, it's about the whole Carol Shelby and... Ken Miles thing in the whole 24 hours of Le Mans in 1966. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And then a be- uh, another day. What, what, okay, no, wait. M- mess this whole thing up. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, November 22nd. This is the uh, Tom Hanks movie about Mr. Rogers. So, yeah, this one looks really good. The documentary was great. This one should be great. It's based off of a friendship that Fred Rogers had with a journalist, um, Tom Junod, and yeah, this one looks pretty good. So yeah, I'm excited for that. But so those are some upcoming movies that I've just kind of flagged around, you know. Always looking for stuff, and then something that also came out this week that I want to see is called Skin. It's about a skinhead that like reforms, and you know if he can get out type of deal. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one when it comes out. It's an independent movie, so maybe a little bit harder to track down, but. That was this week's episode, episode number 16. Um, check out last week's episode, episode number 15 with Pat Mays. Uh, he was my feature artist, Hot, hot Box Weather, his band. Um, and yeah, uh, like and follow the show uh, on Facebook, Twitter, at Loser Hour. And hey, share the show too. You know, Appreciate it. So until next week, peace. <laughs>